Welcome back to Learn Water Skiing with Coop Diddy. Uh, second episode. Yep. It's, it's been a while. You've done a lot of awesome, awesome podcasts since. I'm interested to hear how, how it's been since I've been last on the mic. Dude, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I think I've done maybe like uh, 15 interviews or since we spoke last. It's been a lot. That's like a lot. If we count the ones that I published, the ones that I have back cataloged for the future weeks, uh, which we won't spoil or anything, but they're good ones. Um, it's been a cool experience, man. Um, just the sheer amount of excitement behind this from listeners and honestly, uh, gratitude from the guests. That has been the craziest thing, you know? Has that been something like afterwards or even like has that been something communicated to you throughout the podcast a bit of both but especially afterwards so like you know i would ask some friends or some big names in the sport to you know if they wanted to to do the the episode and they'd be like oh yeah i'm so stoked let's do it like uh, am i worthy i'm like yes you're worthy man (laughs) and then uh and then after the interview a lot of them would just say it's been nice to have a like an outlet to talk about things, you know, mm. um, which surprises me still, but it goes to show how, you know, in our sport we need more content, and so I'm I'm trying to help. Yeah, like fulfilling a need. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. When these guests have said that they appreciated the opportunity to, for an outlet to talk, was that more about the sport or their personal connection to the sport or – I would say more more about them, you know, like they said it was cool to be able to um, tell their story, tell their story. And I think podcasting leads to that very well, right? Like your long format, you just sit down and talk, just like we're doing now, you know. Right. Um, so I think that's mainly what has been like the, the ability and the, the venue to just tell their story, you know. Um, and I'm stoked to provide it to them, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. I got to talk to some cool people, man. Um, well, I just, the one that I just uh, published uh, was with Dane Meckler. We did two parts of Lake 38, sitting at the judges' tower. It's awesome. You know, just looking over the lake, flat water, and just talking about, you know, his journey from Midwest, fellow Ohioan. 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 To University of Louisiana Lafayette, to then last year being freaking top seed at the Worlds, at finals. Like, he was the last guy getting on the water at Worlds. Remember, we watched the Worlds yeah, together. Yeah. It was nuts, you know? Last one off the dock, right? Last, he was first in the prelims, so he was the last off the dock. I mean, you want to talk about sports psychology no and doubt. pressure? Seriously. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, so Dane and... Uh, well, you had se- you had several that went two parts, right? Yeah, Corey Vaughn, which we did two long parts, and honestly, we could have gone a third one. The guy's just... <laughs> so eloquent and it's some of the stories he he told us from you know uh rooming with a porn star wannabe <laughs> to you know being you know he he's among the best skiers in the world he ran 41 off so so that means he did all six all six at 41 wow yeah and he's one of the few 
Wow. Ten, ten in history, eleven, ten or eleven. I, I never. I, I still have to check my math. Yeah. But um. Handful. Yeah, yeah, just two hands, you know. Uh, and uh, and so when you're amongst the best athletes in the world in any sport, you you're on the WADA list. So you know a WADA agent can come at any time and test you for a doping. If you're run that back, if you're in in water skiing, I believe it's top twenty in the world. You can just be tested at any point. Any point, and you have to report where you are at all times. So you know, you go to Mexico for two weeks. You gotta tell WADA that you're in Mexico for two Say weeks. Say what? And they might show up and and test you. Wow. And he has a story about that. It's <laughs> hysterical. So I had Corey two parts. Is that going? Not to interrupt, but is that going on now with? COVID-19? I would imagine. I mean, maybe less, given that athletes can really compete. Right. But I would imagine if you're on the water list, you can still, someone can still ring the bell at 6 a.m. and make you pee in a little cup, you know? What? Yeah. Wow. So and that's top 20? In water so skiing, that fluctuates top every year, depending. Yeah. So. Is that a big, for someone that doesn't know, is there a big changes in that? 20 every year or is it pretty consistent like the you know like in the nba this roughly the same 20 people are the top players in the yeah, nba yeah. is that kind of how it is with water skiing or? i would say if we consider the six events so slalom trick and jump men and women i would defend that probably men's slalom is the one that has the most very variance in terms of who's in the top say 15 to 20 Okay, the or last 10 five. to 20 or like the last 10 just okay. because you know just to give you an example i can pull it up but there were maybe seven guys with an average of 341 wow. and then the way it works is that say the average is made of say i have three and three they take your top two scores so i say i have a 341 and a 341 my average is three Okay. Yours, say you have an average of 341, but your average is made by a 4 and a 2, then you're above me because your highest score is higher. Because I, I got to 4. You got to 4. So our average is the same, but your top score is higher, so okay. you would be higher in the rankings. Um, but I think there were like 6 or 7 guys, like 3 and 3, and then they have to go to the third score oh, and then wow. fourth score. Yeah, it's, men's slalom is really tight nowadays. Does it ever come down to like a half or a quarter ball? Oh, yeah, yeah. On the fourth score. Yeah. You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> so maybe a, a run that you didn't even think would impact your score from a few months ago. or Yeah, it's your fifth score, and now yeah. it, it, makes, it might be the difference between being 15th in the world or 17th in the world. That's how crazy it is now. That is crazy. It's you like know? make every set count, make every run, pass count. Yeah. So you never know. No, it's uh, – Men's slalom, and I mean women's slalom, especially last year, there's some girls that are pushing. Like in, in women's slalom, there's Regina Jaquis, who's hands down the best in the world. But, and she has had. Where's she from? Uh, from the U.S., originally from Georgia. Lives in uh, here in Santa Rosa. Oh, okay. Trains there. Beautiful place to. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, absolutely. Um, but. Um, and there's been a woman, like, in, in the last 10 years, her name is Whitney McClintock, who has been challenging her, you know, and won Worlds, uh, beating Regina and stuff like that. But then there was this huge cap, meaning these two girls could run 39, and then the rest was 2, 3 at 39, 2, 3 at 39. And then Mano showed up, Freddie's girlfriend, and has been running 39s. 
And now there's this younger generation of girls that have been pushing to like four and five at 39, which is a highly competitive score. Wow, yeah. Like three or four of them. So, no, women's slalom has been exciting, you know? Good variance. And Good, yeah, absolutely. But not as much in tricks and jump. No. It's funny, actually, you, you would love and hate what I did in the last two or three weeks because, you know, it was self, self-isolating. Right. Um, I pulled up all the top 10 ranking lists from 98 to 2019. So top 10 men's slalom, top 10, sorry, top 20 men's slalom, top 20 women's slalom, top 20 men and women trick, men and women's jump. So you did it with all? With all. Okay. And I took their averages, right? I took their their ranking score, and then I did basically a a line graph showing the level, right? So I did the top 20 average, the top five average. Of scores. Of scores, and the top, and the 16 to 20th average to see, you know, Kind of making some speculations about what's going on with water skiing. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty. It was pretty revealing, and obviously, it's all speculation. Like, right. why did the world record in women's trick just jumped a lot in, in the span of two years? You know, uh, or did. why yeah, it did? And I think, I mean, there it's actually one of the easy examples. I think it's primarily because women started to do more flips, mm. and flips are highly rewarded tricks, and Makes sense. you know. So yeah, no, it's a. Uh, that was one of the things I did while I was self-isolating. <laughs> I like it. Numbers nerd. Yeah, and I published them on Ball of Spray. It's like the most famous uh, water ski forum, so I published them there. Did you notice any patterns with the uh, slalom? What I noticed is that in men's slalom, the difference, and we already knew this, but like the difference between the average of the top five and the average of the 16th to 20th in the world it's so close, you so know. More and more competitive. Yeah, that's what tells. What that's what it tells me, right? Yeah. Um, and then in the women, it was the sixteen to twenty, and the first to fifth were really away. And in the last two years, they kind of, you know, and but then obviously as a gen, they kind of got closer. But as a general path, the sport has been growing in level in slalom, mm. in jump, kind of in tricks. The top five have been increasing like crazy in women. That's that's a fun stat. In women, the top five have been increasing like crazy in terms of average of points. But the men has been kind of the same, the top five. Kind of plateau. Kind of like almost a plateau. But then you look at the 16th to 20th, and the women have been almost plateauing to going down, and the guys have been going up kind of reaching those top five. Oh, wow. You know? So it's an interesting, hmm. like the women, the top, top, top f- female trickers in the world are becoming insanely good. And the bottom, like 16 to 20th, uh, which is still super high level, obviously, right, but like right. they, they've, they've been plateauing, almost going down. Whereas in tricks, in men's tricks, is the opposite pattern. Interesting. It, it's super interesting. It was hmm. a cool thing to do, yeah. you know? Good way to spend some of your time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been doing a lot of podcasting, like interviews, you know, online, obviously, trying to be safe and be distant. But yep. yep, for sure. I'm interested of after 20, what's, that, what's the gap like from 20 to 30, 20 to 40? That's an interesting question. Um, I haven't ran those numbers, but I can tell you that in men's slalom, 
um, I remember this specifically. In like about 10 years ago, with 341 average, you were seventh in the world, sixth in the world, eighth in the world. Right now, you might be 20th. Oh my goodness. And I think in men's slalom, it kind of goes gradually. Mm. Like there's more people in the world that run 39 off. There's more people in the world that get past two ball at 41. Like uh, men's slalom level is, is just bizarre right now. What do you attribute that to? It's a ever-ending question, I think. Better skis. Um, Bob Lapointe gave an interview with Marcus, and he was saying how, you know, compared to the 80s or 90s where it was kind of like almost a random draw that a ski would be good and a ski would be bad, uh, not even from different brands. I mean, that for sure, but also just from the same brand. Like, the consistency mm -hmm. of production wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Right now... A lot of the ski brands are doing good skis, and especially the ski production process has been much and much more refined to where two skis are almost the same, right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of brings consistency. Right. And then the speed control system with the GPS that actually, interestingly enough, in the data that I, that I was telling you about, when Zero Off came out, so in 2009, this course kind of plateaued in slalom and jump, because the boat was now 36 miles per hour all the time, no matter what, right? But eventually, I think that brought the skin level up because, again, it brought consistency. Makes right? sense, yeah. So, so I think it's just like better, better equipment, um, maybe slalom skiers understanding a bit more about this dark hole that it's slalom technique or mm. how you should slalom. I was wondering if it was a technique, if technique had anything to do with it. With the... The improve of like with the many people running 39 probably yeah. um but i don't know that it stands out hugely in my mind right now as one of those reasons you know mm -hmm. um more and more people skiing on private water which is a bad thing for the promotion of the sport because we're secluding ourselves from the masses but it elevates the level right mm -hmm. so yeah it's a it's a tough question that one is that is it better to train on private like as compared to public water right. yeah i mean it's more consistent right it's like uh having your own rack at a house or having to go to the university gym well now you're speaking my language i know <laughs> i know so you know like if you have your own rack you know you're gonna do your series in, in an efficient time and you know right as opposed to maybe be able to do them because there's a fisherman that chopped some of your buoys or <laughs> you know happens all the time what? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh no. You know the Jolly Clinic I told you I do at, at home? Yeah. The guy that came to ski with us is from uh, Philly and he skis on a river. Like uh, Philly, where the Fresh Prince is from? Yeah, that Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and raised. <laughs> Born and raised. <laughs> and basically, he told me, Matteo, like sometimes I show up, there's no course. You what? know, like either the river just snapped the cables or wow. someone just chopped. You know, just literally chop the, the cable of the buoy. Have you no respect? Yeah, they have no respect for it. Oh. That's terrible. It's terrible, dude. Like, public water skiing can be rough, you know. And then it's also rough skiing-wise because you have, you know. Uh, choppy water. Choppy water, wind, uh, other boats, navigation. People going by in tubes. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you got all sorts. <laughs> tubers. Yeah. You know. I was kind of thinking 
del- like as far as deliberate practice yeah. goes, you know, where you practice a a skill, a craft, and you might have to overcome obstacles and that can make you better. You know, like I'm thinking of in South America, how they use, maybe it's not a soccer ball, but maybe it's something that's like a soccer ball. It's a little heavier and they have to practice with this not ideal, not ideal conditions, not ideal equipment, but it makes them sharper. It makes them better. Yeah. Yeah. Is training on an open water, public, choppy, like I would think that. There is that argument. There is that argument um, that, you know, if you are, particularly in your in your formative years, if you were growing up in like cold conditions, choppy water, you know, not the best conditions, that makes you like a tougher skier. Right. And I think the argument could be made in terms of like at the high level, well, you might not even be able to reach the rope lengths that you need to train to be competitive at at a pro tournament where the conditions are nice, right? So, you know, I guess eventually it's like, okay, you can train with the ball that is heavier and whatnot, but eventually you have to, you have to try to get a goal. You have to have a goal post, right? right? right. You have to train on grass eventually because you're going to be playing soccer matches on, on, on a pitch of grass. Right. Um, so, you know. So are you saying, like, okay, you might be able to run... 38 in choppy conditions, yeah. but you're not able to really practice 39 or 41. So when it comes to smooth, ideal conditions, you haven't practiced that. So yeah, exactly. you might not be able to do it. Yeah, there's a, there's a thing about the rope lengths that each they have their own kind of little bit of characteristic. So basically, you have to train them, you know. You can't just say, I'm going to train a harder 39 because it's going to make me better at 41. That makes sense. You have to try 41 eventually. Right. You know? But there's a there's a thing that could be said about training in the conditions that you're going to find. Right? So say the worlds that we watched that were in Malaysia, that open looks... water, it was super rough. Yeah. An argument could be made that if you know that it's going to be like this, which everyone knew like two years before, um, you might want to train in a bit of rough water before, right? Like that argument is, is valid. Yeah. You know? But not... Uh train all the time and learn and that kind of exactly because there's also a danger factor you know you might get you might get injured if the water is bad right you're more prone to fall mm. so yeah it's kind of makes it seem like maybe it's a little more of an extreme sport if you're in this oh we're going back to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would say yeah might might look, make it look like it's a bit more extreme yeah well i mean if the water's choppy and there's what looks like waves yeah that you have to deal with and malaysia i mean I'm not going to lie to you. I'm glad I wasn't there. Really? Like when I was watching the webcast with you, yeah. I thought... Well, you man. were commenting on it a lot. Yeah, but like, it's my sport, right? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, but it's just like, wow, look at that. Yeah, no, it was it was just insane in my opinion. Um, and then didn't you say Moomba is rough? Moomba is rough because it's on a river that can have current, that can have all sorts of things going on. Might have to stop the tournament because of navigation. And what also, do you, what do you mean? Well, I mean, there's a maybe there's a ferry that has to go through. What? You know, yeah, in the middle of a tournament? Yeah, they. I mean, they try to schedule it to where you know it's at certain times, so the tournament is obviously not running. Yeah. Um, but then the river is weird, man. Like, it, 
for some skiers it looks good for some it's not as good interesting you know it's uh, mumbai is, is strange strange place is that know? the only place that's on a river as far as a tournament <sighs> of the big ones that recur often yes mm. but there, there have been other tournaments on rivers but it's it's more and more rare you know i see So we were talking earlier about um, this idea of a senior. Oh, yeah, because that's the whole, yeah, like explain why we're in front of microphones. Yeah, that's a good point because <laughs> this is totally impromptu exactly. um, podcast. We were just having a conversation, just talking about different things about skiing, different things about the sport. Yep. And uh, I actually looked at you and said, we should be talking into the cans right now. Why don't we set up the mics? And in three minutes, the, the mixer we, was on. <laughs> here, and here we are. Yeah. So you're you're getting up there in age, right? Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you are a full five months older than me. So I am five months older than yeah, you. Much Imagine older. that. And I think I might even see some gray in that beard. There's some white. I, I, I think more than when you went into self-isolation, by the way. I don't know about that. I think that self-isolation so? grayed you a little bit. I didn't pluck the whites, yeah. That... Oh, is that what you're doing? Yeah, because I actually, like, secretly, I would love to have a gray beard. <laughs> oh, right. And I've but heard that if be... you pluck, you, oh. I've heard that. I don't know if it's true. Interesting. But, yeah. So you're you're ready for the gray? I mean, don't I wish would love the... the gray. Already? Yeah. I mean, gray, you're that. fat beard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you'll have your whole life to look forward to that. You should enjoy the color while you have it. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. But, I mean, four years you could be skiing mm. the... In senior category, yeah, or what they call 36, uh, like over 35 or 36 plus, yeah. So Also, oh, at 36, you're eligible. Yeah, the year that I turned 36, so in four years. Yeah, and then is there a more advanced, or is that it? No, there's uh, 36 plus, 46 plus, 56 plus, okay. 66 plus, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And then there's... Tournaments for each? There's tournaments, yeah. Generally, they're in the same tournament. They have the different categories, yeah. And worlds for each? So the senior worlds have all those categories, yeah. Very it's cool. a big tournament. Yeah, it's a lot. So would you consider skiing any of those? <laughs> okay, so that's what actually got us to the webcast, to the podcast, because I was arguing no, right? right? And uh, as of right now, I still stand stand to my thinking. Right, your convictions. My conviction, and I, because the big thing, man, is that after thirty six, you the boat slows down to thirty four miles per hour. So two miles an hour slower than. It's a different sport. Different sport. It's a different sport. Oh my. Yeah, yeah, it's that big of a difference. That's that's quite the uh, assertion, yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. Just two I'll... miles an hour makes it a completely different. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, well, I mean, as far as somebody that doesn't has never done this, it doesn't seem like two miles an hour would change it into, a, you know, a completely new sport. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you're reaching the limits, right? Um, yeah, but it is a look. The senior skiers would say the same. Yeah. That I'm saying now, right? Um, it is a diff. It's so much different uh, in terms of your equipment, 
but especially like how easier it is to run a pass at 34 miles per hour as opposed to 36 for men. Like at 34, you can still get away with a bit of power, a bit of, you know... Uh, like pulling against the boat. Yeah, you can suppress some of your technical deficiencies with a bit of like quickness and, um, and power. At 36 right now, you can't. Okay. You just have to be technically solid. The equipment must be dialed in. Like everything needs to be bam, bam, bam. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. And you just run way more buoys at 34. Which right. Which, I mean. So is there a record at 34 for like, Okay, so does anybody went 43? Yeah, catch this. I think you're going to love it. So the first guy that ran thir- 41 off at 36 miles per hour. So the first guy to ever run 41 off. Jeff Rogers. Jeff and American. Okay. In nineties? Ninety six. Okay. He was also the first guy to run forty one off at thirty four miles per hour. Nice. Yeah, this guy is a trooper, man. Wow. I mean I, I, Jeff, if I don't know if you listen to the Water Ski podcast, <laughs> I would love to have you in front of a microphone. There you go. You know? So yeah. What's, do you know what he's doing now? Yeah, yeah. So the he is super interesting story. Like the guy owns his own drilling business. And, and was owning that even at the time when he was skiing in the Pro Tour. The guy's world champ, huh? Like, won the world. And was doing this business on the side? No, no like, together. What? The guy came a little bit late at the Worlds because he was working. <laughs> and then he drove from North Carolina to, to Swiss to ski the Worlds. Wow. And won. That's impressive. The guy is unreal. 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 Um, does he still ski? Still skis. Um, does some of the tournaments, like the the senior tournaments that we're talking about. There you about. go. I know, I know. There you go. I know. That's that's what I told you. The side of the argument against mine is that a lot of great skiers are now skiing what they call the big dog, which is essentially... Ooh, the big dog. You like that? I like that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so basically those are quoting... No, they are cash price tournaments for 36 and over. That have a certain level. I don't know what level it is. I think they have to have like four or five or thirty-nine. What do you mean? Like they, they have people that do that. That ski I think that? to be part of that, you have to have skied at least a score of four or five or thirty-nine. To be part of the big dog club. To be part of the big dog tournaments. Yeah. Wow. Like, how could you say no to that? I know, dude. <laughs> you I, know? I know. Yeah, yeah. It's With called a name big like dog. that. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be hard to say no to. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I just don't see myself going to 34 anytime soon. I love the well, you challenge. you still got a little more time. Well, but I want more than four years. Okay. You know, like yeah, I that's want. that's fair. But like, what a 50 year old Mateo. Well, listen, I, I talked to you about the Swiss Water Ski Resort, the one in Claremont. Yes. That my, my buddy's dad owns now. He's 54. 54? Maybe, I think 50, at least 53, 54. Um, never skated at 34 miles per hour. Ever? I mean, maybe when he was 12. Okay. He still skis at 36. Wow. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, obviously, he's skiing way less buoy than he used to. Right. To someone that, you know, he's from Switzerland, came to Italy a lot. I was looking up to him like mad. Yeah. I mean, I saw him run one at 41 when I was like a kid. I was like, whoa, you know, like wow. I want to be like Clint. Yeah. The inspirational guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the guy, dude, you want to talk about passion? The guy, Clint is like... Clint, I, Clint who? Clint Stahlbauer. Let's give him a shout out. 
Oh, Clint, dude, uh, I interviewed your son, your youngest son, a few days ago. You're next. <laughs> I like it. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like he, he doesn't ski at 34. I have so many questions about this. Go like, on. Okay, so first question is 36. I mean, you're obviously going fat. I mean, that's without saying. You're going faster. Yeah. Two miles an hour faster, you're telling me, is very noticeable. No, no, it's, it's insane. Insanely noticeable. It's like insane. It's, okay, world of difference. Yeah. Okay, so you have the choice when you're 54, yeah. 55 years old, to do 36 miles an hour, and you can do three at 39. Yeah. Or you can do 34 miles an hour, and you can do a couple at 41. Yeah. Which is... I mean, it, they both sound sweet. They're I mean, both either way. Sweet. That's pretty. You're doing awesome. But like, which one? For me, I would think let's go 41. That seems like a you know big. Even though you're going a little slower. Yeah. Is that not the case? Let me try to put it in your language. Okay. Um, what can you bench right now? Let's say a six rep. You're putting me out there. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Let's do it. Like six, six reps, reps, I'd feel comfortable putting out there. I could do like 250. 250, okay. When you're 50, would you rather do six reps at 250 or eight reps at 200? Well, I mean, I see what you're saying. I, there'd be The math is a little off, but... Yeah, what, but you see right, what I'm saying. I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, I mean, you're talking my language. Now I know, I, I know. Um, I'd rather do... Six to two fifty. That's what but, I'm saying. But that would be the same as doing what I'm doing now, which would be true. Impressive, you know. If, well, you know, then four and some six. years ago, four and six. Yeah. Right. If I could do four at four reps at two fifty, or I could do like eight at two twenty five. Yeah. Let's throw that two fifty on there. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that the the weight analogy is like the speed of course there's a limit it's not that we ski 38 miles per hour that's right. not the rule right but i i still want to see what i can do and i mean of course i i'm gonna reach that point where i'm not going to be able to run as many boos as i run now that's just obvious right it's that's just obvious just a... like you know get a little you know a little slower right. you know a little weaker whatever it is but um life gets in the way whatever whatever right would I be willing to slow down the boat just to run the buoys that I used to run? I would feel a little bit like an imposter. Wow. That's that's kind of like what a lot of skiers feel, honestly. That's interesting. Um, you know? Well, see, and this is, again, just me being a novice. Yep. Not, I mean, we can get into me trying to slalom later if you want. Cause, Absolutely. Because remember, I was supposed to get back on the mic after I... <laughs> Slalom skied. Well, we tried. Yeah. We tried. We can get into that in a bit. Right. But um, so my th- my thought is at 39, because we were watching that video, the the guy was in the lake, or right, with Andy. Oh, yeah. I showed you the Andy tribute by Marcus. Yeah. yeah. It was beautiful. Oh, my and, God. And um, very emotional. Yeah. Yeah. What, very, amazingly well done. Yeah. Um, but the he's... He's in the lake and he's stretching out. He's showing like this is not even really humanly possible, and right. And oh, you mean when he's showing forty-one off? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, At like he's like stretching out and he's saying one guy's done it and Andy, and then he's got the other dude under the water. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. 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 And and that 
aspect of you have to reach, right? Yeah. You have to have your timing, I'd imagine, basically perfect. Dialed in, yeah. I mean, because you're making up for the length of the rope. The rope's not there anymore exactly. to get you around this buoy. Exactly. That would still be the case at 41 going 34 miles an hour, right? Yes, but the course would come slower. I think, have you ever played Tetris? Yeah. Okay, so you know that in Tetris, as you go high in levels, the pieces come down way faster, what right? A beautiful analogy, yeah. So, I th- yeah, it just came now. Like, yeah. so 30, 41 is still 41. So making the Tetris, like the four lines, is still hard. But one thing is at a level 5, one thing is a level 25, where the pieces are just flying. Right. And that's the difference between the speeds is that the course just comes faster. So your your precision has to be way more dialed in at 36 than at 34, right? Completely. And that's why I'm saying if you make some mistakes, you can suppress with a bit of strength. So the ski sinks a bit more. You can kind of power it up. Mm-hmm. But And you said quickness. Quickness, you know. Um, whereas at 36, you just can't do that anymore. Like with boats that have 420 horsepower, like the speed is kept consistent by a GPS system with 20 satellites. Like there's no 20 way. 20 satellites? It's crazy, man. What? In like the, the sky? Yeah, basically the, the <laughs> thing is communicating with 20 satellites at the wow. time to keep the speed at 36.0 at every single foot of the slalom course. Even though you're back there pulling, pulling back. Pulling like mad, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So now it's, it's two different sports. So when you say... When you're, when you're back there at 34, you can compensate with power, strength, quickness. Yeah. To a certain degree. Obviously, you have to be a, a very good skier. Don't get me wrong. Right. But, but the gap is crazy. But I would argue that 20 years from now, those are the exact attributes, power, quickness, strength, that you're going to lose from age, from you know, getting, you know, getting older. And yeah, no, for sure. So that seems like that would, it's almost like in golf. They have a senior tour, right? Yeah. And they just start the seniors a little closer to the hole. Yeah. Because they know they don't have the power that they had back when they were playing on the PGA tour. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It, it, it's just so complicated. Like, I mean, I, I'm not, um, shall I say, hypocritical to say that I'll never do it, right? right? And you're not dissing people that do it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. I'm dissing people that do it too quickly, you know? okay. So at 50, it's a completely different story than at 36 years old. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a huge difference. That's what I'm saying. Um, So, yeah, it's... So you mean like you jumping in there in four years and being like, "Hey, I'm I'm here to take the title." At 34, yeah, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't see that. I right. don't see that. Right. You know, because there's also a lot of amateur skiers in those senior tournaments. Not not skiers like myself who has been skiing since he's seven and competed all his life. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a bit strange. So you feel like you're taking away the shine from some of these? Yeah, I think I think so. You know, how many of the older crew? just started in their mid early you know yeah 20s a lot a lot a lot of them 
That's cool. You know, and I think it's awesome. It's one of the great things about water skiing. Right. Dude, you could pick up, like, I know we skied a couple of times. Right. But if you were to pick it up now, like, say, like, Yo-Yo, who's, skiing, you know, picked up skiing two years ago. Yeah. He's 22. He's a bit younger than us. But, you know, the guy could be ending up running 38 off in 15 years. For at sure. 36. Yeah, if he keeps practicing, If right? he keeps practicing. Yeah. Um, and the cooler, even the cooler part is that he's going to be able to ski for his whole life. Definitely. This is a sport that you can do forever. Right. You know, so it's just so cool. You can start young kids at two years old, three years old, just to ski behind the boat. You know, and you have eighty years olds like the run, like running the course, turning buoys. You know, like what eighty-year-old yeah, yeah, slalomers? Yeah. Oh yeah. What? Oh yeah. That's sweet. You know, what's the oldest person you've had on your podcast so far? Do you think? That's a random question. Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't know. Probably Keith. Hmm. Keith is 65. 60, yeah, 65. You don't look 65. I know. You, dude, imagine looking like him at 65. That'd be awesome. I'll, That's I'll a win. A, I'll give a kidney right now. <laughs> That's you know, a if win they, for if sure. If they guarantee me that. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe Keith, yeah. And he slaloms. He rips, buddy. Yeah. So he got into a new age category, so 65 plus. So he's actually slowed down to 32 miles per hour. Okay, so it's not at 36, it's 34 miles an hour. Yeah. 46, it's not 34. No, it's still 34. Or 32. No. And then thir- like it doesn't get no. slower each So 36, years. 46, 56 is uh, 34 miles per hour. And then, s- sorry, 56 women, they slow down to 32. And then 66 or 65 plus w- uh, men to 32 as well. Interesting. Yeah. And could somebody that's in the... 60 year old category ski in the 50s if they wanted or 40s yeah, they could okay they could just as when i'll turn 36 or i'll be 37 i'll still ski at 36 miles per hour right yeah you get the so get you the option yeah so those so if you when you turn let's say 41 and you're like I'm not feeling as good as i used to in my younger days yeah. it's time to go dominate the older folk a little bit when okay. you do the 36 and up, you're not taking any shine necessarily away from somebody that's 50. No, but I mean taking shine away from someone who's 42, 41. Right. Who, you know, just started running some buoys at 39. True. And never did before. True. You know? Um, it's a bit strange, you know? I understand. Um, and I understand that eventually I might end up doing it. Yeah. Um, but... You think it's good for the sport? That I'm not going there? Yeah. I think, I, th- I just want to think it is. Yeah. To me, those categories are amateur. Right. You know? Oh, okay. And if you're a pro, and then yeah. you say, okay. You know, it, and I'm a lot of my friends, yeah. I have friends that did that jump. Yeah. They're going to hate me after this <laughs> audio, you know? But right now, I feel like that. You're, you're just keeping it real. Yeah, I know. I am. Yeah. I am. I was just thinking how cool it would be if, you know, when the time comes, it's like you, Freddie, Dane, you're all just, you know, skiing, getting world championships of the... Walking with a crane to the dock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, What's up, buddy? (laughs) The good old days in Tallahassee. Right, right. I mean, it seems like it would be good to keep the names in the sport competing, you know, Yeah, you can. I see both sides. You know, I see both sides. Could you do both? 
could you do the 30, like when you're 39, could yeah. you ski 36 miles an hour and do like 34? double dip? Um, I think there's a rule in the big dog that <laughs> <laughs> you love that. I name, love don't it. You? Yeah, I do. That you can't ski big dog if you've skied a pro tournament in the last two or three years. Okay. There's some rule like that, you okay. know. Uh, which I think is good. Like yeah. It goes back to what I was telling you right. before, you know, about not taking the shine away and make it even field. Yeah. Um, but yeah. See, it seems like there's already these rules in place for. That's true. That's true. You know. But they're not for a world championship. What's that? Mean? What? For a world championship, I could ski at 38. I could ski open worlds, like the real, like the. The real is, is mean, I know. But yeah, the real world, like the <laughs> open world championship, right. the one we watched. Yeah. And then two months later, I could go and ski the senior worlds. Oh, you could do that. Okay. Be weird. Yeah. Be weird, you know? Be. I mean, if you won both, though, you'd have both those trophies up on your mantle. Like, look, I just dominated yeah, the, that's true. the whole year. True. But I don't know that I would want that. Yeah. Yeah. So, why don't we talk about your set? Oh, gosh. Let's go back in time, because it was actually not too far after the first episode of the Learn Water Skiing with Coop Diddy. Not at all. I mean, It's pretty close. We were, Maybe a month later, a month yeah. and a half later. And we had been talking, we talked about it almost every day, every yeah, weekend. That's true. Remember so, those pre-COVID days where we were busy and, and right, going like around? Right, having to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, what happened? <laughs> you tell the story. Well, I went out. First time on the lake in years to ski. Over 10 years. No, way over 10 years. Way over. Yeah. Way over a decade. And uh, it was it was actually, I want to say it was the beginning of 2020. I want to say it was January. Cause I know I, you're right. Because I didn't right. even ski any of the last decade. I was like, wow, I'm skiing more in this decade that's a week old than that's I did true. the whole you're last very right. decade. Yeah. yeah. You had my wetsuit on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we fought for it. It was like, that was a cool experience, skiing in January, first of all. Yep. Like, anybody out there? That, yeah, exactly. Anybody out there in that cold weather, you know what I'm talking about right now. Yep. So, and I thought it was going to be cold. And with that wetsuit, very impressed. Yep. Yeah. I got up on two skis right away. That was fun. Yeah, true. It was good. It was good times. You know, you was already correcting some of my form, though. You know, I was kind of hunched over. You was getting me ready. Yep. And uh, got in and out of the wakes, no problem. Yeah, it was fun, man. It makes me want to get back out there. On we'll the do day. it. Yeah. Um, and then it came time to decide about one ski. Yep. So the the discussion was: should I kick one off, or should I just let's get out of the water with one? And I said, let's just do it. Let's get out of the water with one. Let's get right to it and i gave it hell yep several times i don't know how many times would you we try about 10 times yeah dozen times something like that yeah um i kind of saw the boat once when i got (laughs) up a little bit but face planted i think that time yep never made it up with one ski yep so. And we did, we changed strategy, right? We were trying to start yeah. with two feet in, That's and then true. you have a bit of a lower back issue, and That's that the, wasn't really the best. And yeah. so we tried two or three times to start with your foot out of the kicker. Correct. And then eventually, once you got gotten up, put it back in. Right. Um, Which was an awesome 
switch. Yeah, and I think honestly, if we do it tomorrow, you're gonna get out. You You think so? Oh, for sure. Like if you think about it, we tried it two or three times, and those two or three times were much better than the ones before. And by then, honestly, my back was pretty trashed. Yeah. From trying to do it, like hunch over and yeah, with both feet in. Yeah, exactly. So no, next time we'll get you out, man. Let's do it. But I mean, the coolest, obviously, skiing again was a blast. Yeah. Even if it was with both feet, you know, both skis. Yeah. Um, the coolest thing, though, from that whole experience was sitting in the boat watching you shred. Oh, that's true. That's true. That was tight. Yeah, that's that true. Was tight. It was the first time you rode in the boat for like some high level skiing, no? It was. Yeah. And it was funny because it was it was getting late some other people had skied and like my back was just you know like i said it was hurting i was just kind of like i'll just stand here and he, you said get your ass in the boat you're going to get in you're going to watch and i'm so glad that was keith i mean i told you to get in the boat and keith must have said something along the lines uh-huh. of come on you know yeah, right right and uh and chad chad was there yeah yeah, yeah. and it was dude it was unreal Annie, your fiance Oh yeah, because in the meantime you you got enga- you you got engaged. No? I did. Yeah, I did. Congrats, February second. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. O two o two twenty twenty. So I'll never forget the date. There you go. Yeah. Smart man. <laughs> Smart man. But yeah, we were just Annie and I both. We yeah, were, you both rode. Yeah. Ast- we were both ast- astounded. Astounded. Yes. I mean, it was. Well, I mean, back to the whole idea of, you know my bit that you chose of the extreme sport yep that seemed very extreme to me sitting in the boat watching you whip it around i could feel the tug of you when you turn you know in the boat like yep. it, it was noticeable yep yeah yeah like from again you pulling g's and then that's what a lot of people say cuz by the time you had watched some webcasting you've seen you know shots but a lot of people say there's nothing like riding in the boat watching some skiing for the first time you know it just yeah. shocks you as like and i would say more than some i i've watched more than some skiing oh no yeah like yeah, in I, these recent months i exposed like, you to some freaking skiing yeah no <laughs> doubt and i mean just we were just talking a couple hours ago and i was like oh yeah that that tournament that was in milwaukee and you're like coop yeah, I was proud of you, you know, man. You, you're you know the know history you, of the Malibu you, Open. You're getting you know, to know like, some skiing, man. Hell yeah. So, yeah, even with all that, even with seeing all that, and it just was riding, just, it yeah. was another world. Yeah, because you came, that's true, you and Annie came to watch the fall tournament at Lake 38. So you got Correct. to see some high-level skiing from the shore. Yes. Which is already cool. It was very cool. But I think in the boat is another story, isn't it? There's no thinking about it. It's, yeah. If, if, you, if you're out there and you haven't, had the chance and you can get in the boat and watch somebody like Mateo ski. I mean, you got to take, I mean, it's just awesome. Yeah. I didn't want to stop. <laughs> I don't, I mean, you was probably ready to, you skied yeah. a couple round, you know, sets. So you were yeah, I did. not even sets. Yeah, I did like six passes, yeah. I think, and then yeah. went in. Yeah. yeah. It was getting late, but that made it so nice too. The sunset. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the fascination of the outdoor sport, you know, it's like magical water, nature, um, it's there's something special about this sport definitely i mean a lot of things but one of them being you know like a a sunset and then the weirdest ones are the sunrise sets which those are a little rough you know like <laughs> right 5 30 a.m you know you do so, a lot of those no luckily <laughs> no but like for photo shoots sometimes you know to get nice pictures 
for like a magazine or a catalog. You wake up early, sunrise, and you have to be on your game because, you know, you have photographers in the water, like... Do you still try to do what you normally would as far no. as... No. No, 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 no. You're no. skiing you're like... 32 off. Okay. Maybe the boat even a little slower. You're trying to look good. You're trying to get the shot, you know? No, you still look good. What are we... Weren't you going 36 when I was watching you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean... You still look good. No, for sure. But, you know, in terms of like... <laughs> he said for sure. <laughs> in terms of like, you know, like looking magazine, great picture where you're not... Right. Your face is not like, you know, oh, like right. I'm... I'm about to turn, you know, a buoy right. at 39 or something like that. Instead, you're going a little slower. A little slower, longer line for my level and just trying to look good. Also for safety. Right. Because sometimes the photographer is so close. is in the water, in between the boat and the and the turning buoy. So in between the the boat and the skier, in the water with the camera. So you can tell they're there. You see them. Oh, yeah, you see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... And it can obviously, if you fall, it can become dangerous for them too because then the rope might, True. you know. So you, it's also a safety issue. That makes sense. You know? so, which it brings me to say, for you guys out there that want to take water ski pictures, and I interviewed Thomas Gustafson, one of the best photographers in Toad Sport. Um, I'm going to repeat what he said. If you're inexperienced, do not take <laughs> inside the buoy shots, you know. There's a plenty of great shots that you can take from the shore <laughs> or from for the boat. From the shore. Yeah. So, I mean, because I'm thinking of the course, you have three the three buoys on one side, three on the other. Yeah. Could you just be right outside the buoy, or is that dangerous too? Because you, you might could, you could, but like say the skier falls, you know, like right. yeah, yeah, outside is certainly safer than inside the course. That's for right. sure. You know. But sometimes people are inside the course. For photo shoots, yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be a little bit distracting. It is, which is why you want to ski with a pass that you're comfortable at, that you know it's safe, you know, all of that, all of that stuff. Have you ever tried to, when you go around and they're taking a picture of you, you kind of give them just like a little wink? <laughs> well, that that's actually an issue because, you know, you have, you're supposed to look, you know, forward as if you were skiing. Oh. And I remember actually with Thomas Gustafson, this photographer, the first time I shot with him, I kept looking at him. And he kept screaming, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, keep looking where you're supposed to, you know? Oh, nice. Like, make it look natural. And then you try to smile and you look weird, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's all that. I see Freddie giving him a wink. Yeah, you know? he, he's that kind of dude. Yeah, he might give you a little point and a wink. That'd <laughs> <There you> be. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a lo that's a lot of uh, swag, you know? For sure. Yeah. Freddie brings a swag, though. He, he's a swag uh, guy, <laughs> you know? In, a, in, a, in his own British way, you right, know? Right, right. A bit of swag. But what I love is that He's your number one fan. Uh, that's, I'm speechless and honored. We, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to admit, as I predicted, <laughs> our episode, I had a little bit of backlash. It's putting it nicely. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like some people were like, oh, who's this guy? You know, swearing, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then a lot of people loved it. And the guy that loved it the most and been telling me, get Coop back on the mic <laughs> is Freddie. You know? It's the swag. Former world champ, man. I mean, the guy that's, that's is what I'm Masters well, champ. You know? Yeah. It's Coop Diddy, number one fan. Pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, all right, what else? What else do you want to know about water skiing? Well, I think with the times, with this coronavirus going on, COVID-19, yeah. I'm just wondering how this is impacting. I guess we'll start with you personally. 
mm-hmm. as far as obviously within the sport. Yep. And then I guess at a bigger picture, what this is, how this is impacting the sport as a whole. Yeah. So, well, me personally, obviously here in Tallahassee, I've had a fortunate situation to where Keith is still, it's his home. He's still been able to pull skiers. Obviously, we've been taking bigger precautions. Um, but uh, I was one of the fortunate ones that could still ski. Right. And then, as you know, like, because we live together, two, a little over two weeks ago, I started to have some weird symptoms. So I, I left the house and I self-isolated myself for two weeks. Um, so I haven't been able to ski. And then when I move back home on Sunday, I'll have to self-isolate for two more weeks. Man. And, and, you know, obviously here in the U.S., it kind of goes state by state, but a lot of states are not allowed to ski. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. a full lockdown, let's say California. Right. Um, so unless you have a house on a lake and, you know, you don't Your get to go. Access, yeah, exactly. Right. But, um, what well, a bigger picture, there's no tournaments allowed right now. Worldwide, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the USA Water Ski Association interrupted any event until may 17th and the rumor is that obviously they're going to extend it further right the masters have been postponed uh to a to be defined date and oh it's just to be determined to be determined yes wow um there are rumors about september but i don't think anything has been officialized yet um the junior worlds this this year there were the junior worlds in here in santa rosa Oh, wow. Supposed to happen in August. Those were postponed to 2021. Oh, they already said not happening this year at yeah. all. Wow. So th- there's a lot of questions about whether there's going to be a season at all. As you know, I, I we canceled our pro event in Italy. Right. Um, another site canceled it. I mean... Wisely so. You know, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I think if there is going to be a pro season, it's going to be a few maybe a handful or a little less pro tournaments here in the U.S., uh, September, October. Wow. That's what it's looking like, you know. And, and it sucks. How are you handling that? It's it's tough, man. Um, I'm not skiing the best. Um, so in a, in a sense, I'm not really grieving that yet. But as I'm starting to ski better, I'm, of course, I'm a competitor. I want to go out and show what I can do and mm-hmm. be on a podium, win some money, you know? Like, But, you know, it, it's tough. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I'm, that I know, you know, fully the whole sport, but it seems like there's a community aspect to skiing. Big time. That's what I was picking up on, especially from listening to some of your podcasts listening to some of the stuff Marcus has done, yeah. right? Just it seems like it's a community. Big like, time. How do you, how is that affecting you? I mean, I know you obviously want to be a competitor. You yeah. want to go out and you want to compete. Like you said, win some money. Right? Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be cool. But, I mean, is the community aspect of it, the fact that it's not, might not happen this summer, how does, does that impact you at all? Well, yes. I mean, it impacts me financially because, as you know, we have a ski school. Right. And we won't be able to have the dock full of skiers chatting it up, giving each other a bit of shit before a set. You right. know, like the cool stuff that happens at a ski lake. Yeah. Because we might not be able to operate. And even if we will be able to operate, which we're hoping that will happen, we won't be able to have as many skiers. 
as many people on site just to be able to keep distancing. Uh, It's going to be, you know, I think as people, news media, like the new normal is going to be a bit different than what we used to. Definitely. Um, And that's going to certainly impact the the water skiing community. It is now because people are kind of locked, you know, locked and not being able to move. But certainly in the future is going to impact the skiing community as well. Now, the lucky thing about skiing is that we're not a contact sport. True. So we are one at a time, you know. So in a sense, it'd be easier to practice distancing and kind of avoiding spread of viral disease, you know. Like in that sense, we're a bit luckier than, say, basketball. Where you're all touching the same basketball, touch, right? You're, you're close, you know. Well, that, that too. You can't, well, you can't really do eight feet apart defense, you know. No, What's that? Right, right. So soccer, American football, I think all these contact team sports, you know. Well, I'm thinking about equipment too. You know, equipment, sports like basketball, football, you're touching the same equipment. Yeah. But with skiing, you could avoid that, right? Yeah, you could. You could. Like you have your own ski, you have your own handle. The rope would be the only thing that the skier and the boat crew would touch. But if you keep the same rope for everyone, then only the boat crew touches it. So that's good. So that's good. Right. Um, no, and, and generally a lake is a wide area, so you could keep distant, you know. like. Right. Um, I think in a sense we're way more fortunate than other sports, but certainly it has impacted the skiing community, you know. Just like it's impacted all communities oh for sure right? for sure but um so if they were to have tournaments they would be able to have these tournaments with some social distancing guidelines and be able to stay safe yeah yeah i think that's that's what would have to happen one of the things that has been going on that it's pretty cool is that um there's a very famous instagram account called the uh, water ski nation water ski nation yes um it's run by greg this guy from france who really like cool ambassador of the sport give him a shout oh greg he's gonna be on the podcast soon oh nice so you know um he's the guy that had organized all our pro tournaments in europe into a tour with points i think i told you yeah yeah yeah, Yeah. it's him so he organized this thing where he did a virtual head-to-head tournament amongst eight pro skiers on instagram live so you know on instagram live you can have two people chatting right and so you would have one camera, you know, with, say, Dane in one lake and another camera with uh, Sasha in another lake, and they would head-to-head live. What? Super cool. That is a great idea. It's a great idea. Um, and then there's other things, like um, there's a new app that is about to come out to do virtual water ski tournaments and virtual sport tournaments in general. Um, I won't give too much detail because this episode will come out soon. I interviewed the founder of that company. Um now there are the ski community is a very uh, dynamic community. So people are trying to find ways to still compete and still, you know, push their limits. Love it. You, you know, it's super cool. And stay connected. And stay connected, I would say. Yeah. Because yeah. um, that's super important right now. I don't yeah. know if you saw some of the Instagram live that me and Parrish did. We've been meeting three or four times on Instagram live, just chatting about skiing, answering skiers' questions. Oh, you know, just awesome. trying trying to keep the conversation going. Right. You know. Because a lot of people are missing that. Oh, right man. I mean, I speak to my friends from home every day, and they're, like, so itchy to ski. And obviously, in in climates where the winter is cold, now is the perfect time because that everyone, you know, is scratching. Like, okay, it's getting warm. It's getting right. warmer. I can go to the lake. I can ski. And Leaves like, are changing. You know, exactly, but yeah. not now. Ugh. You know? 
it's rough. Yeah, it's terrible. It's it's quite rough, but uh, it'll pass. Yeah, and it's promising too. Like you said, that it's a sport that can continue. Yes, yes. Where like because toad, it's set up for that wakeboarding, water skiing, wake surfing, like all these toad sports are in a better position than other sports. Right. You know. Are the like tricks and jumps same? Like you wouldn't need somebody else around. Uh, no, no, they're the same. Uh, in tricks, you have the the coach in the boat that pins you, particularly when you're doing toes. Like if you fall, there's a there's a rope release. So basically, the coach is holding you. Holding the rope. Not the rope, the towing rope, but like another piece of rope. And if okay. you're falling, the the coach lets go of the pin rope and you fall with the rope attached to your foot so that you don't get injured. Gotcha. But that would be that second person in the boat that you would right. need to have in the boat anyway for safety reasons. Nice. So, no, I think all three events would be able to be, you know, safe in that regard. That's excellent. Yeah. That's good. Great for the sport. For and, sure. And great for people. I mean, people need release. People need an outlet right now. So. Absolutely. I was talking with Nicholas, my best friend from home, my coach son, and... He kind of gave me a comment a few days ago. He said, "Being like being able to ski right now psychologically would be really good, because oh, you gotta remember people have been closed in their homes for a month and a half. Yeah, just going out for groceries with all the scare of getting infected. Oh my so gosh. just being able to turn a turn a buoy, you know, <laughs> going through the wakes at fast speeds, you know, yeah. feeling the G forces, you know." You're getting the itch right now, I can tell. Yeah, I am. You got that little twinkle in your eye talking about it. That's true. That's true. And you, I mean, so you were self-isolated for over two weeks. Yeah, two weeks and a couple of days, yeah. Right, so you obviously didn't ski any during that time. Yeah. And you're going to be going home um, next week. Yep. A week from today. And you won't be skiing for those two weeks. Right. So you have this little couple days where it's like, what, what... should should I ski or should I not ski? Yeah, that has been the dilemma, you know. Uh, I think I'm leaning more towards that I will ski at least a couple of sets before I go home. And this is, I just want everyone to know, this is very different than what he said yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday I was at the lake. I went to say hi to Keith and the gang, and yeah. and I didn't feel like skiing. Right. But then you watch Lake 38, perfect freaking paradisiac water ski lake. I was like, <laughs> ah. Tomorrow I might have to strap the ski on and, and go for some turns, you know. Right. Yeah. So do you think getting a set in, getting some ski, just some skiing in would be good for you psychologically or would it be like a tease? Yeah, I feel like it would be more of a tease, mm-hmm. you know. I miss it. I want to ski. Yeah. But then you also want to be able to continue to ski. Right. But I know that also sounds a bit pretentious, you know, because the times are what they are. Right. So just the fact that I'm able to ski, if I want to, I should, right. kind of, you know? And it's almost like when you do, if you do, which you will, this week, <laughs> right? you should do it for the homies that can't. That's kind of what I'm thinking, You know yeah. what I mean? Everybody at home that's telling you, like Nicholas. And yeah, that's true. Like, do it for them. That's a good point. You know? That's a very good point. I don't know, dude. What else? Anything else? I don't know. How long have we been going? I think about an hour. I think we might That's keep good. it a little shorter yeah. this time, you know? Yeah. What do you think? I think it was fun, man. Good? Yeah. I'm glad we got to do it. I love how it was spontaneous. Very. Turn on the, the mic, man. Yeah. 
Like this, this should be recorded right now. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm going to thank you, you know, right now. And for a lot of reasons. Well, first of all, because you and your fiance now have been welcoming me for months and I can't thank you enough for that. Of course. Um, but especially thank you for reminding water skiers that are listening to this that for as much as we keep saying that there's more water skiers out there than we know, which is, I think it's true, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have questions about the sport. And I think our chats kind of like, you know, in some way bring us those questions that a non-skier right. would have, you know? Yeah. But definitely someone that, I guess, just by virtue of living with me, uh, became interested about the sport. Exactly, you know? yeah. So, and, thank you. And very impressed with thank you. the sport and with your performance. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, man. Yeah, so sure. thanks for doing this. I, I just hope that people get something out of it and if not learning then some enjoyment some entertainment yeah it's important nowadays yeah for sure that's very important you know so thanks again yeah man thank you Thank you.